Welcome to Uncovered, the podcast series that goes behind the headlines to give you an in-depth look at the stories that matter. I'm Kelly Crichton, and on this episode of Uncovered, we're looking back at the year since Sarah Everard was kidnapped and murdered by a serving police officer. Her murder sparked national outcry and started a wider conversation around the safety of women on the streets and sexism at large. On the evening of the 3rd of March 2021, Wayne Cousins used his handcuffs and warrant card to snatch Miss Everard as she walked home from visiting a friend in Clapham, South London. A court has since heard that he accused her of breaking the COVID-19 lockdown in a false arrest. In June 2021, Cousins pleaded guilty to the kidnap and rape of Miss Everard and in July 2021 pleaded guilty to her murder. In September, he was given a whole life order, meaning he will never be released from prison. On this episode of Uncovered, I'll be looking at what has been happening in regards to violence against women and women's safety. I'll be looking at the campaigning that has taken place and some of the practical tools being introduced that endeavour to make women more safe. From data collected and analysed by National World, it found 34,608 rapes were recorded in England and Wales six months after Sarah Everard's death with 90.2% of them being females. 170 rapes of women and girls were recorded every day on average between April and September 2021, as well as 167 female sexual assault cases. Police have closed 18,000 rape cases without bringing charges since Sarah Everard's murder. Almost one year on from the vigil held for Sarah Everard at Clapham Common and Patsy Stevenson is continuing to campaign for action against misogyny. You may recall Patsy as she became very well known following her arrest at the vigil where she had attended to light a candle in remembrance. She was pinned down and handcuffed on March 13th by two Metropolitan Police officers. The police's handling of the vigil sparked anger at Scotland Yard and was condemned by politicians across the political spectrum and later prompted an investigation by the watchdog. Miss Stevenson said she was released around 20 minutes after her arrest and given a £200 fine for breaking Covid rules, which she's now contesting. She spoke to National World politics reporter Carly Roberts about her experience since that day. I'm actually like living a bit of a double life because half of my effort is towards activism and half of it's towards universities. It's confusing at times and very hectic, but it's something that I'm passionate about, so I'm not going to stop. It's still a year on and I'm still trying to deal with it, I guess. I think what pushes me is just like the messages that I receive from from people saying that I've helped them. It just means that I know that I'm making a difference and as long as I'm making a difference, like that's what it's about and it makes it all worth it. Sarah's family has paid tribute to her on the first anniversary of her death, saying she was wonderful and we miss her all the time. Patsy said there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach to tackling women's safety and learning about the sexism marginalised women face is a step in the right direction. I think the, the things that have been said at the moment are mainly focused around white women. And that's an, a real issue that we have in feminism itself, is that um, you know there is a term called white feminism where it solely focuses on the experiences of white women. And a lot of times there are like women from marginalised groups who are either black or brown women, Muslim women, um, trans women, all sorts of different groups who don't get listened to, who have varied experiences. Patsy said there would be a benefit to knowing the scale of misogyny in society 
and to enforce consequences. If things don't have a consequence, people are more likely to do them. So, for example, in the police, you know, that we've seen that in the police force where if they don't have a consequence for this so-called banter, it gets out of hand. Incidences of misogyny, no matter how small they may seem, they're never small. It will always either lead to people turning into incels or people thinking that they can get away with it and treating women like objects, seeing women as objects. We have to battle the wider problem and that just starts with making misogyny a hate crime. The new Metropolitan Police Commissioner will have a long list of issues to tackle once they take over from the former chief, Dame Cressida Dick. Patsy said the first thing in their intray should be enforcing radical change throughout the entire force, not just Scotland Yard. So the first step is admitting it, holding yourselves accountable, understanding the wider issues, listening to activists or people on the ground who know what they're talking about and have lived through these experiences, and then put forward action and an action plan of how they're going to elicit radical change throughout the force, and not just the Met, but the whole policing system. An app created in memory of a woman killed by her ex-partner is among the personal safety technology which has seen a surge in downloads since the murder of Sarah Everard. Whilst it's widely acknowledged that apps are not a solution to the wider problem, many women are using such apps for peace of mind despite some fears certain tracking or mapping features in some apps had the potential to be misused by abusers. The Holly Guard app is provided by a trust which was set up by the family of Holly Gazzard, who was killed by her ex-partner in 2014. While the app is aimed at domestic abuse and stalking victims, many others use it too in their day-to-day lives. The app, which has a free version and a paid-for plan, gives its users the option to shake the phone or press a button within the app to activate an alert if they feel in danger. The alert will be sent to that user's nominated emergency contact. The emergency contact will get the user's location as well as video and audio evidence which is picked up automatically when the alert is raised. Another personal safety app called WalkSafe was founded by Emma Kay and her brother-in-law Richard following Emma's experiences of harassment. WalkSafe uses police crime data with a live map so users can see the most recent crimes wherever they are. It also has a community icon where people can report issues such as no streetlights so it can be added to the map. Karen Roberts, late news editor for National World, spoke to Emma about WalkSafe and the spike in women turning to technology to stay safe. Emma told Karen the idea came from a conversation around the dinner table. The men around the table were just kind of shocked that so much had happened to me from the age of 12 years old. Off the back of it, we decided that this just wasn't normal and that something should be done. And we went away and created WalkSafe. And actually, I think it kind of really coincided with the birth of my daughter being two and a half years old now I just can't even imagine a world where violence against women is so normalized so I really feel that if we can start to turn the tide and create change now then we really could be helping our future generations. Hollygaard which operates only in the UK saw tens of thousands of new sign-ups in the months after Sarah's murder. In total, the app has around 350,000 users for the free and upgraded packages. WalkSafe has been downloaded close to 600,000 times and in the past five months has had 60,000 new sign-ups. Emma said they had sadly noticed an increase after the deaths of Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa, who was murdered by Kochi Selimaj in a park in Kidbrook, South East London, on 17th of September 2021. It's really bittersweet. I feel that we love that there's something there that 
people feel comforted in using so we love that we've got our app should people need it but at the same time when we do see a huge spike in downloads and it's tragically usually around like a case like Sarah Everard or Sabine Anessa we feel awful that people actually feel that they need it and they feel fearful when out and about. HollyGuard has a reporting feature which essentially acts as an evidence log with some users already having approached the founders to ask for an export to use in court. Emma told our reporter Karen Roberts what the feedback had been so far. People feel comforted from having something in their pocket should they need it. We're not by any means the solution. We are a tiny weeny part of that solution and so much more needs to be done across the board. We just need to change societal opinions. We need to work on our education about consent. There's just so much. There had been at times people say, well, you know, how does walk safe work if people could actually follow someone down a safe route? Well, we don't actually give safe roads. We give a general overview of patterns of crime and we say to people to regularly check their maps. These said patterns will change over a course of time, but what it does enable you to do is really get a feel for what is happening within your area and make safer choices overall. So uh, less of specific roads and more general. Now we turn to Westminster. National World's politics reporter Carly Roberts has recently been speaking to Liberal Democrat MP Vera Hobhouse about her efforts to create a transformation in culture towards women. Ms. Hophouse, who is the party's spokesperson for women inequalities, helped to make upskirting a specific criminal offence in England in 2019. The legal victory was the catalyst moment that spurred her to tackle culture and behaviour towards women. Now she has said not making misogyny a hate crime is a missed political opportunity for a transformation in culture towards women. Ms. Hophouse has tabled her own private member's bill to make motivation by misogyny an aggravating factor in criminal sentencing. It comes as Labour successfully defeated the government in the House of Lords by passing an amendment to the Police, Crime, Sentencing and Courts Bill to make misogyny a hate crime back in January. The proposed law changes would enable judges to impose stronger penalties if prejudice against women is proven to be the motivation and would also require the police to record whether crimes were motivated by a hatred of someone's sex or gender. But the bill is now being contested by the Home Secretary who doesn't want to add misogyny to existing hate crime laws. Priti Patel plans to write to MPs outlining her opposition to the amendment after the Law Commission said making misogyny a hate crime will prove more harmful than helpful. This is because cases such as public sexual harassment would not meet the hostility test in existing hate crime laws which rely on the offender being motivated by or demonstrating hostility towards a group. When our reporter Carrie Roberts spoke to Ms Hophouse, she expressed her frustration with the lack of progress on the issue and how it is incredibly disappointing the government keeps opposing the amendment. Like any hate crime legislation, for me, the most important thing is that it sets a marker in the sand that certain behaviour is not acceptable and that it is against the law. And for that reason, I think it would be a very powerful piece of legislation. Making misogyny hate crime bill proposal would mirror what we already have in existing hate crime legislation against racism or religious hatred and that sort of thing. And we have um, in an amendment ourselves in the House of Parliament attached to, to this piece of legislation that's currently going through both houses of Parliament. The Lords have put an amendment forward and the government keeps taking it out. And and that is incredibly disappointing. I had a discussion with the Law Commission. They are legal experts. They're arguing on technicalities, in my view. And really, I think it would be a missed opportunity, a missed political opportunity for 
a transformation in culture towards women. We asked Ms Hophouse if she thinks it would be helpful for misogynistic crimes to be on record. Yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the advantages would be that there's actually data and that has been the progress when the previous government introduced the hate crime legislation was that things get recorded and it gives you a picture. And for that reason alone, uh, making misogyny a hate crime would be very useful. Miss Hobhouse went on to say she admires the younger generation of women who are standing up to inappropriate behaviour the older generation have endured without having the same confidence to question it. But she doesn't know how long it will take to change deep-rooted beliefs. Attitudes that have existed for thousands of years are difficult to change in a year. Let's wait and see whether we can really transform attitudes towards women. But I think each time women finally stand up and say we had enough, the Everett moment was yet another moment, but remember the Me Too moment, where particularly younger women of the generation after me, if I may say, um, are not putting up anymore, is progress. You know, I, I may, maybe we, we women, well, we, we achieved quite a lot in terms of, if, of equalities as well. You know, 60 years ago, 50 years ago, uh, it, it looked uh, even, even much worse for women, certainly when it comes to employment and when we've made progress in, in terms of understanding what unconscious bias is when it comes to selecting members of parliament and, and the whole sort of glass ceiling sort of thing that women get to a, a particular point and no further. I think, you know, over the years and over the decades, we have improved the case for women's equality but we are by no means there hopefully we are making further progress and not going backwards that's all I can say but whether we'll do everything in a year I don't think so it will still take a lot of time but I I must I admire uh, the generation of young women who are really stand up now and call out any of that inappropriate sexual behavior sexual violence that too many women of my generation have put up with, including myself. You know, people put a hand on your on your knee and you sort of flick it away rather than saying, what are you doing actually? This sort of thing that I put up with all my life is being called out and rightly so, and I'm glad it is. The Law Commission has recommended that the government consider a specific offence to tackle public sexual harassment. Speaking during a session of Women and Equalities questions in the House of Commons, Home Office Minister Rachel McLean said, we are not minded to make misogyny a hate crime. That is not the way we tackle these systemic issues. We are determined to deal with the violence against women and girls, but that, I'm afraid, is not the way to do it. The second reading of Miss Hophouse's private member's bill is scheduled to take place on Friday the 18th of March. As well as new technology, other initiatives have been started to help women feel safer since the murder of Sarah Everard. Strutsafe is a helpline which covers the entire UK and also offers free walks home in Edinburgh. Rachel Chung and Alice Jackson were spurred into action following the murder of Sarah Everard. The helpline, which is free to call, operates on Friday, Saturday and Sunday night. There are around 50 volunteers working on Strutsafe who will stay on the phone with you while you walk home. Karen Roberts spoke to Alice Jackson about the initiative. One of the things that pushed us to do it was the death of of Sarah Everard. We actually attended a vigil for her here in Edinburgh, which is where we're both based and where Strutsafe started. And Rachel basically got up at this vigil on the bullhorn and and just said, look, if anyone in Edinburgh ever needs to walk home, you know, I will make sure you get home safely. I'll come and get you. I'll get you a cab, whatever you need. And we just wanted to make good on that promise really for our community. And now we operate across the UK. It's grown more than we ever imagined. We only sort of imagined that we would, you know, operate locally. 
now we just serve a, a, a much bigger community. We operate on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday night. If you call our, our helpline, which is it's free to call, then a volunteer will answer, answer the phone and we'll stay on the phone with you while you walk home. And that can be whatever you need. It can be, you know, reassurance. It can be a friendly chat. It can be, you know, support and resources. And we train our dispatchers to be able to, you know, handle whatever really comes in. And it really varies in, in terms of, you know, when we get spikes and stuff, we saw, we always see a big spike, unfortunately, after something tragic happens. But when we first started, it was not that many. And now it's, you know, so many. And it, like I say, it varies and it fluctuates, but more than we ever imagined. And also, it's also not just women as well. We get calls from, it is mostly women. But, you know, one of our founding principles was that, you know, anyone can call the line with our, you know, whoever needs us. The Strutsafe helpline can be contacted on 0333-335-0026. You can find this number in this episode's show notes. Plans for an 888 Walk Me Home service are still being developed, despite hopes it would be up and running by the end of last year. In October, BT set up plans for a dedicated 888 Walk Me Home service where women could have their journeys tracked and an alert triggered if they did not reach home in time. The firm's chief executive, Philip Jensen, said that the idea came after the murders of Sarah Everard and Sabina Nessa. It had been reported the new service could cost around £50 million and could be in operation by Christmas. However, BT's technical development teams are working on developing proposals and the firm says it will continue to discuss it with the Home Office. Another online tool called StreetSafe is currently being trialled by the government as part of its response to tackling violence against women and girls. It allows people to anonymously identify on a map locations where they don't feel safe and is available on the Police UK website. Areas that have issues with street lighting, abandoned buildings, vandalism and places where people have encountered behaviours such as being followed or verbal abuse can be pinpointed on the map. The Metropolitan Police is launching an initiative where women can raise concerns to officers in an effort to improve their safety and rebuild public trust. Walk and Talk is being rolled out across London on International Women's Day on March 8th and will see members of the public go out on patrol with officers and point out areas where they feel vulnerable. It was first started by a police officer in South London's Lambeth after Sarah Everard's murder. Farah Bennis founded the Cat Calls of London campaign group in 2017. Since then, they've received more than 18,000 anonymous submissions of women claiming to have been catcalled by men in public. Catcalling is a term used to describe the act of someone shouting degrading sexual slurs or threatening comments at someone publicly. Catcalls of London raise awareness of street harassment. 12,000 of the reports they have received were from girls under 18 who had been the target of sexually motivated slurs. The campaign group chalk men's sexist remarks on the capital streets where incidents of street harassment have taken place. Currently, catcalling offences are recorded as either harassment or public order crimes, depending on the nature of the incident. This means there's no easy access to records specifically for each catcalling offence, making it hard to pinpoint misogynistic motivated incidents. Farrah reports a reoccurring theme amongst the 12,000 underage submissions was that around 63% of the individuals reporting were wearing a school uniform and 99% of the perpetrators in those cases were adult men. As we mentioned earlier, the government has now overturned proposals to make misogyny a hate crime. Liberal Democrat Justice Spokeswoman Vera Hobhouse, who we heard from earlier, said in a statement outside the Commons, by voting against making misogyny a hate crime, the Conservatives are turning a blind eye to the hatred that fuels violence against women. Policing Minister Kit Malthouse said there is now an obligation on the government to bring forward alternatives that will do something positive for women's safety. 
He indicated it included examining how to deal with public sexual harassment, including whether or not to create a new offence or amend existing law, and reviewing the impact of police recording data on crimes motivated by sex or gender. Farah Bennis, founder of Cat Calls London, told our reporter Carly Roberts it's time that there was proper data surrounding hateful incidents of misogyny to identify the scale of the problem against women and girls in society. Ultimately, data is powerful. And the more reporting that shows crimes are committed under the categorisation of misogyny will help really underline that we're not hysterical women sort of claiming victimhood that there is a serious, serious issue in our society that allows men to continue perpetrating crimes against women unchecked. But I also believe that this can't happen in a vacuum. I believe education is key in creating change. We have serious institutional issues that are not going to go away overnight. So a focus on education lays the foundation for long-term impactful change. Farah said she thinks attitudes towards women are slowly changing since the death of Sarah Everard. Another thing we really try to focus on is men taking responsibility and holding their peers to account. So don't enable this kind of behaviour, actively call people out, help when you see these things happening, and also really consider your own behaviour and the impact that this can have on women. So I definitely think we're seeing a change um, sort of in this post-Sarah Everard, Me Too sort of time. The role of the police in the case of Sarah Everard is well publicised. As a result, campaigners including Reclaim These Streets are part of a legal bid to try to force the government to hold a statutory public inquiry to investigate misogyny in policing. In the wake of Miss Everard's death, one officer faced misconduct proceedings after sharing a highly offensive meme relating to her kidnap. And earlier this month, the police watchdog published disturbing misogynistic, homophobic and violently racist messages shared by officers based at Charing Cross Police Station between 2016 and 2018. The fallout led to the resignation of Commissioner Dame Cressida Dick after London Mayor Sadiq Khan said he was not satisfied with her response to the scandal. Currently, Dame Eilish Anglioni is leading the first part of a non-statutory inquiry looking at how Cousins was able to work as a police officer for three different forces, Kent Police, the CNC and the Met, despite concerns about his behaviour. Following this, there are plans for a second part that would look at wider issues in policing. The Met has also commissioned its own review of the culture and standards of the force, including Cousins' former unit, the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Command. This week... One year on from Sarah's death, police are expected to be told to make tackling violence against women and girls as much a priority as fighting terrorism, child sexual abuse and serious and organised crime. It is impossible to cover all the consequences of the story in a single podcast episode as they have been so far reaching. If you head over to nationalworld.com, you'll find a further series of articles linked to this story. Thanks to Carly Roberts and Karen Roberts for their contributions to this episode of Uncovered and thank you to you for listening. I'll be back again soon with more analysis of the stories that matter.